Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. You know, this, uh, this message, I've been really excited about doing this message, and yet there's been this huge burden as I've been preparing it and thinking about today because we're, we're, I really believe our nation is at a very critical point in our history. And so let me give you a disclaimer before we get going. This is not a political message, Okay. I want you to hear this loud and go, this is not a political message. It has nothing to do with who's in the White House or the State House. It has nothing to do with politics or party. It has nothing to do with that. But it has everything to do with us as a nation moving away from our foundation that was built on God. And that burdens my heart because I know that we are in this very precarious position and there are a lot of people that feel hopeless at this moment. And I believe God's got a word for us. Now, I've told this story many times, but I think it fits. I'm going to give you a little different angle on it today. Back in 2011, after I had a physical, uh, my doctor suggested I have this test called a cardiac score, which basically is kind of a, I guess, like more like a CAT scan of your heart, and it's looking for any plaque buildup that may occur. And, and so he said, look, everything looks good, but, you know, why don't you have this done? It's okay. Didn't know what it was test took 15 minutes, whatever it was, really quick. And then uh, about a week later, maybe, I got the results, and they were really, I could see there was a lot of concern on the, on the phone. It was like, you, we, you need to get in here right, right away. Because on this test, the way it works is that it, it, it kind of measures the plaque, and if you have a zero, that's, that's where you want to be. It means you have no plaque buildup in your heart or your arteries. That's like a slam dunk. That's good. I didn't know all this, but that, that's, so you want a zero. And then it progressively gets more, and the chart goes to 400. 400 would mean that you're in a high-risk category of, of having some heart event. So it's not a place you want to be. So anyway, they call me, and they say, hey, we got to get you in here right away. You got your score, and you scored a, your score was 1,100. I'm like, all right, that's good, right? They're like, no, that's real bad. We need to get you in here right away. I'm going, What's, what, I don't, you know, I mean, why? And I was like, because this is, you know, abnormally high. There's, there's something going on here. We need to do a heart cath. We need to check you out. And here's my response. I said, look, why don't we do this? Can I come and retest, retest? Because there's probably, obviously, something wrong with your machine. Because I feel fine. I was playing basketball three days a week. Um, everything was good. You know, I've, I, on the surface, everything was fine. And so I go in for the surgery, and they find all of these blockages. They fix them and all this kind of stuff. But anyways... My point is, and all of that, to say that on the outside, people thought, assumed, and I assumed because of, you know, I was doing all these things, and I was totally 100% asymptomatic, that everything was fine, but inside, there was something going on that needed to be addressed. A lot of people have these kind of things, right? We all hear the stories about someone who, all of a sudden, they go to the doctor, they, they don't feel good, and... They, they do a test and they find out they've got like stage four cancer. And they're like, how can that even be? I've, I've, never, I've never had any issues. I've never had any symptoms. And all of a sudden, here it is. COVID, a lot of people have had asymptomatic. Some of you probably may have had it and you didn't even know. But, but some of you do know that you're asymptomatic because you, you were around somebody that had COVID. And so you had to have a test, even though you felt fine, just to get clearance. And then you came back and you had it. And you're like, I have no symptoms. 
Other times, though, I've been sick, and I didn't need a doctor to tell me that I was sick. I, I mean, there were obvious symptoms. Like, I had the flu, and so I had all the flu symptoms. I had everything textbook. This is the way it is. And, and so I knew. And I think, as I kind of think about where we are as a country, I think it would be real easy to miss this and think, you know what, maybe, maybe we're not so bad off. Because on the surface, we kind of look good, right? We, economically, we're a strong country. We have industry. We have innovation. We have infrastructure. We have clout in the world. We're powerful. And so on the surface, you look at that and go, man, we are, we are I mean, doing great. But my concern is that if we don't really analyze correctly, we could fall into this false sense of security that everything's good, when in fact, on the inside, where it really matters, we're decaying. Morally, we're decaying. We're moving further and further away from the foundation that our nation was set on around 250 years ago. And that causes concern for a lot of us, right? Because we thought, well, wait a second, how can that be? So here's what we're going to do. We're wrapping up the series, Do You Want to Get Well? And we've been looking at different stories in the Bible where people had some issues. And they were presented an opportunity for change. Some said, yes, I'm ready for that, and I will face the pain of change, and I'll do that. Others said, no, thanks. I'm not willing to make that kind of sacrifice to get well. So when we say, do you want to get well, that's kind of the million-dollar question, isn't it? Because we all have our issues. We all have our stuff, right? We all need some sort of healing. We need to get well in some area of our lives. Some of us are emotional, physical, spiritual, whatever, right? We've got them. But are you willing to step up to the plate and say, okay, I'll do whatever it takes to get well? And I think that's where the crossroads we are as a nation, right? Like, do we really want to get well? So where I'm going to go on this is I, I, I want to take us back and I want to look at uh, Judges chapter 2. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn there. And Judges chapter 2, this is, um, this is a story about the nation of Israel. Now, I want to say this as well. And then as I know that, you know, we're not the nation of Israel. A lot of scripture is specifically geared toward the nation of Israel and Old Testament law. However, as you're going to see, I think it does apply. There are things that apply um, to our current context, particularly as the body of Christ, as people who are followers of Jesus. That the Bible says that we've been grafted in, that we're people of God. So I think these principles apply. But So we're going to look at Judges chapter 2, and, and, and we're going to see a slippery slope in the story. And I think it won't take a whole lot of, you know, help on my end to show you that this is, could be our story. So here's what it says, beginning in verse 7. And the Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him, those who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. So we're already seeing that there are some people, right, the Israelites that served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua, who is now their leader, and some of the other people that had outlived him, 
those who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. These are the people with a firsthand account of what God had done for that nation. They were God's people. These people, Joshua and Caleb, were the only males over the age of 20 who actually uh, were, were part of the group that, that left uh, Egypt under their captivity to the Egyptians, and they, they moved out of there. Moses was the leader at the time, and they moved, and, and God parted the Red Sea and all those great miracles and, and eventually gets them to the promised land, and Moses dies, and Joshua becomes the leader. They get over into the promised land, and now God is doing all these extraordinary things. And these people have seen this. Many of them have seen it. Many have, have witnessed this firsthand. But, but now the generation is dying off. The ones who had the firsthand experience with God are dying off. So this Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the land he had, he had been allocated at Timah-Serah in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gosh. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. See what's happening? A new generation is coming. They've forgotten what God had done. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them, and they angered the Lord. They abandoned the Lord to serve Baal and the images of Ashtoreth. This made the Lord burn with anger against Israel, so he handed them over to raiders who stole their possessions. He turned them over to their enemies all around, and they were no longer able to resist them. Every time Israel went out to battle, the Lord fought against them, causing them to be defeated, just as he had warned. And the people were in great distress. Then the Lord raised up judges to rescue the Israelites from their attackers. Yet Israel did not listen to the judges, but prostituted themselves by worshiping other gods. How quickly they turned away from the path of their ancestors who walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up judges over Israel, he was with that judge and rescued the people from their enemies throughout the judge's lifetime. For the Lord took pity on his people who were burdened by oppression and suffering. You see the parallels, don't you? I mean, you can kind of sense in this story, this is kind of where we're at. At least that's how it feels. So here's what I want to do is I'm going to give you three symptoms that a nation is sick. So I want you to put on the stethoscope and the doctor's cap, and I want you to play doctor for a minute. And I want you to, as we go through these symptoms, you're going to kind of do the, you know, you're going to do the checkup. And you're going to judge for yourself whether or not our nation is sick. So here's the first symptom. The first symptom that a nation is sick is that history is rewritten, rewritten to admit God's importance. The first symptom of a nation that is sick is that history is rewritten to admit God's importance. That's what happened to them. That was, the, that was kind of the... The beginning stages of their problem is that they are rewriting history without God. They had forgotten the God who had brought them to where they were. And here's what it says in Judges 2.10. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. Rewriting history. 
Israel, these were God's people. These were the ones that God had chosen. And now they're at a point where they have literally forgotten about God. And what you see is this nation had a cycle, this pattern that they would follow throughout their history that I think we do as well. And, and here's basically what it looked like. That God would bless the nation of Israel. Things would be going good. They would turn their backs on God. God would then discipline them, judge them. They would repent. God would restore them. And then they would kind of continue that cycle over and over again throughout their history. And we're at a point in history now where the God of Israel, their God, the one who had brought them through the Red Sea and all the miracles that he had performed, that generation has died. All the ones who have witnessed God firsthand have died. And a new generation comes up and they have forgotten God. And this is a terrible place to be. At this point in history, God's story was no longer told because that's what they did up to that point. There were still the people talking about, oh, you should have seen back at the Red Sea what God did then. Oh man, you should have been there when he did this. And now they're forgetting him. Each generation moved farther and farther and farther away from God. And isn't that where we are now? We're a country that literally is not even 250 years old. And you can see progressively how it's, this is moving. And this is, think about what's, what's happened just in America, okay? That in America, when we, our foundation was founded on the things of God. That if you go back in history, we're rewriting that history, by the way. We're, we're rewriting that history. We're, we're omitting the things of God, aren't we? Like, we don't want to talk about God. Let's leave him out of here. You know, this, is, this is a, you know, I get the church state thing. I get all that. I'm not talking about that. But how can you rewrite a history leaving out the most important part of the history? You know, the, the, our country was founded because there was a religious persecution and they came here where it was free and they were able to worship and do the things they want to do. You go to Washington, D.C. and you look at the monuments and there's always a mention of God and you look here and there, it's, God is everywhere. But we want, to, we want to take that out of there. We want to erase that. We don't want that anymore. We don't want any, our currency and God, we, try, we don't want that on there anymore. We're, we're unraveling at a very fast pace, aren't we? Because with each generation, we can move further and further away from the things of God. And it happens. I mean, like you blink and it happens. Like, how did it happen? How did it, how did it go? Because we quit telling the story of God. That's what happens. We, we become a little too proud and we don't think we need God anymore. But things change, don't they? Second symptom that a nation is sick is that evil becomes normal. Evil becomes normal. What used to make us blush doesn't make us blush anymore. It's normal. It's normal. Judges 2.11. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They just like, hey, not only do we want to forget about God, we're going to do what we want to do. Evil became normal. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 says this. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to them. That's what it says. That's a warning. 
You know that the fastest religious group in America, the fastest growing religious group in America is a non-religious group called the nuns. Not like the Catholic nuns wearing the hat and all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about nuns, N-O-N-E-S, nuns. They claim no religious affiliation. They fall in the category of agnostic, atheist, or I just don't care. 26% now claim to be in that category. Like, I, I, I don't even, they're just basically saying, we don't need God. We will do our own thing. Thanks, but no thanks. You know that um, just, you know, I mean, I think of my life, in my lifetime, which, you know, in my 39 years of living, you know, it's been a, <laughs> all right, all right. I just thought I'd get one by you. All right. So, but in my lifetime, I have seen things change, right? Would anybody not agree with that as you've seen a change? Look, in the last 10 or 20 years, I don't have to go back to, to when I was a kid. That's totally different. In the last 20 years, 10 years, five years. It's like it just keeps, it just gets, when you think it gets worse, it gets worse, doesn't it? Like evil becomes more normal. Like, like things we didn't even talk about now are normal. I saw that on Nickelodeon, like this is a kid's channel. Like one of their big pushes right now is this, they got apparently this drag queen character and you know like every it's like let's flaunt this because we want to make this normal and you know what happens if you have the audacity to say wait that's not normal wait that's not right then they're saying hey you're intolerant you're a bigot you're you're the problem's you woe to them who call good, evil, and evil, good. That's what God said. We normalize evil behavior. Romans 1.25 says they exchange the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. That's what we do. That's a sign of a nation of being sick. Let me give you a third symptom. Third symptom of a nation being sick is that Jesus is rejected and other gods are embraced. That's a sign. It's a symptom. This is actually the core of the problem, by the way, that Jesus is rejected. We need Jesus more than ever. Our nation needs Jesus. We need Jesus. Jesus is the answer. And everybody says, well, that's too simplistic. Jesus is the answer. What's the question? It doesn't matter the question. Jesus is the answer. He's the answer. It's never, look, if you're waiting for the, somebody new in the White House to make a difference, it will make a difference for a couple of years, but it doesn't solve the problems we have of our decay. It is bigger than that. Government is not the solution. Jesus is the solution. But I believe some of us have more faith in our government than we do than Jesus. And that's a problem. It's a symptom. When Jesus is rejected and other gods are embraced, we're in this moral free fall right now. We're really being challenged. In Judges 2.12, it says this. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them. And they angered the Lord. 
they had come to this such a low point in their rebellion that they actually refused God's intervention. Because God, look, here's what's about to happen to them. They're, they're, they're ignoring God. They're rewriting history. They're doing all these things. Evil now is normal. And God is going to get their attention because God, the Bible says God will not be mocked. These are God's people. And that means God's about to discipline them because he disciplines those he loves. And God is going to work against them. And yet, in their, they're at so far from God that they reject his intervention. In Judges 2.16, it says, And the Lord raised up... Let me, before, let me back up just a little bit. So God's, every time they go out to battle, God is working against them. That's what the Bible says. He's fighting against them. He's going to bring them to his knee, their knees. And so God, after doing this, God's like, okay, now I'm going to come in and rescue them. Because that was the pattern. That was what they always did. It says, then the Lord raised up judges to rescue the Israelites from their attackers. Yet Israel did not listen to the judges, but prostituted themselves by worshiping other gods. How quickly they turned away from the path of their ancestors who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. This is when you know that a nation is about to fall when God himself is saying, look, I will rescue you, but if you ignore me, then you're just going to continue to go down the path and you're going to be in some big trouble. And that's what they did. So they prostituted themselves with other gods. What a low point in history for them. I think in America, we can look around and we say, we've embraced a lot of other gods. You say, what, well, what kind of gods? Prosperity, Hollywood, ourselves, pride of our country, like we're so proud. And it's good to be proud of your country. I'm proud of my country, usually. But, again, that can't be where your focus is. But this is where they had come. So you, you wonder yourself, is, is there any way? Was there any hope? Because I think this is where I, why we all feel like we're at the crossroads. We know it. I mean, like, like instinctively, we all know we're at a crossroads as a nation. You don't have to be a theologian or a rocket scientist to realize that we're living in what the Bible calls the last days. We see this unfolding. It's scriptural. We know this. It shouldn't surprise us that this is happening, but it ought to concern us as followers of Jesus. So the question is, how do we, is there any hope? Is there any hope? Well, let me just say this. No, if we continue on the same path. No, there is no hope if we continue the same path we're going. However, we don't have to choose to go down the same path. Do you want to get well? Because that's the question. America, do you want to get well? So let me give you the solution. Because if those are the symptoms, would everybody agree that we, we as right now as a nation, this is where we are? Does anybody not see this? Because this is where we are. But there is hope. And here's, can we be, here's how I worded it. Can we be made well? And the answer is yes, if. And there's a big if. If we turn back to God. That is the only solution. It's not going to come from the next president or the next governor or the next senator. It's going to come from above. It's going to be God doing it. So there's hope. But it's going to take repentance because God always has a redemptive plan. This is what God does. You see it here in that story, right? God sent the judges to help them. 
but they ignored. But we can be made well if we turn back. Let's go back to the story. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge over Israel, he was with that judge and rescued the people from their enemies throughout the judge's lifetime. For the Lord took pity on his people who were burdened by oppression and suffering. God doesn't find get pleasure in the discipline. He knows it's necessary because he loves us enough to not let us just keep doing the things that are going to harm us. So God steps in and intervenes and says, okay, it's time for a little discipline. And you know, here's, let me tell you what, what the scary part is or the dangerous part is right now. And this is what we had to be so careful about. Listen to me. What a lot of us do in this place, we feel so I don't, I, we feel so hopeless and irritated with what's going on that we get angry at people that we think are the enemies, right? So, so what we do is we go, well, if it weren't for those people, our nation would be still good. Like if it weren't for that group or that group or that group, they're the ones that are bringing us down. Can I just tell you something now? The Bible says that that judgment begins in the house of God. The, the, it's not about, oh, look what those bad people are doing. Let me give you a kind of a, a newsflash, okay? People without Jesus, you know how they act? They act like people without Jesus. That's how they're supposed to act. But the people who claim the name of Jesus, we have to be the trendsetters. We have to be the light in the darkness. We have to be salt. We have to do the things that we're called to do. It's not about, oh, let them get right. It's about us getting right. It's about us repenting because this is happening under our watch. There's nobody to blame but us. It's not a party. It's not a group out there. It's the church of God. It's, 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 it's us because this is where God's judgment begins. And this is where repentance has to take place. And, and, and I'm just concerned that we, we, we take this anger that we have, this hopelessness and all of these feelings that we just force it out there and go, it's their fault. No, it's not. They're just doing what comes naturally. This is why the gospel message is the most important thing that we do. That's why it's all, the answer is always Jesus because Jesus changes a heart. We can change laws. We can change rules. We can change leaders. But that's about as far as we can go. God can change a heart. So we tell people about Jesus. Let him do his redemptive work. That person looks at life differently. They look at things differently. They look at their values differently because of what he's done. Not because we're out there yelling at them. That doesn't help. We want people, lost people and broken people to come to church because they can hear this message of the gospel, which is good news, which is hope. Because that is our only hope. There is no other hope. And that's good, though, that, right? Because it brings us to a point where we're on our knees and we're saying, God, we need you. We have to have you. And there's a verse that you've probably heard, and it's, it's often brought up in these kind of conversations. And it's 2 Chronicles 7, 14. And again, written to the people of Israel. I get it. But let me show you what it says. And I'm going to break it down. It says, then if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. 
See, as, as, as followers of Jesus, this is happening, as I say, under our watch. We cannot be complicit in what's going on. We cannot just go with a flow. We have got to promote the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We can't shrink in fear at this moment. We need to do what God's called us to do, and God will take care of the rest. So let's break that down a little bit. He says, if, if my people, again, speaking to Israel, but I think it'd be hard to argue that it's not speaking to us as followers of Jesus as well, because look what it says in 2 Peter. This is New Testament. 2 Peter 2, 10 says this, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You have not received mer- you, you, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And he's talking about people who were not Jewish, they were Gentiles, but we are now his people because of what Jesus had done on the cross and when we accepted him. So yes, in a way, this does speak to us. It says, if my people who are called by my name, right, by my name, followers of Jesus, will humble themselves. And this is the key for us as Americans, as believers, as, as Christian Americans. If you're a follower of Jesus, we need to humble ourselves. I know that we're, we, again, we, it's good to have pride in your country. But when that becomes this, this arrogance, God says you need to humble yourselves. And let me tell you something. The Bible is clear. You see what happens when, when these people decided not to humble themselves in the story we read? God said, I'll fight against you. The Bible says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He opposes them. He, he, he literally opposes us when we're proud. So pride is... is dangerous in a lot of ways, but in this particular case, as a nation, we need to be careful how we view this. And and as believers, we need to humble ourselves. He says, if my people who are called by name will humble themselves and pray. Prayer is our weapon. Prayer is not, shouldn't be an afterthought. We need to be praying. We need to be praying with fervency. You know, the Bible says that, uh, that, uh, you know, effective prayer, the, the fervent prayer is an effective prayer. So we need to fervently pray that God would move. And this includes for the church in America, but we also for what's going on in our world. We need to be praying for our leaders. Look, look, I don't care what you think about whatever party you're involved in. Pray for your leaders. Like, pray that they would be wise, that, that Jesus would get a hold of their hearts. Pray, pray that God would move and God would become, once again, great in our country and our people would recognize it. Pray. And pray like you mean it. Because this is, this is really where we're at as a nation. And then he says they have to pray and seek my face. A lot of us are good at seeking his hands. We want God to bless us, but we don't want to seek his face. Say, like, God, I really need you. And turn from their wicked ways, he says. That's repentance, by the way. Like we need to do a little, little kind of analysis on ourselves, a little evaluation and say, okay, God, I've got some issues myself. And it's not about all those bad people out there. It's about me. It starts here. Work in me. Revival starts here. God, we want revival in this nation, but start it here in me. Get a hold of my heart. Help me to seek your face. Help me to pray. Help me to humble myself. Help me to repent of my sin. Whatever and everything that includes, and I mean, get real. And God says, when you will do that, here's what he will do. 
He says, then I'll forgive, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. I don't know about you, but I want God to do some great things in our country. I want revival to happen. I want people to be saved. I want lives to change. And I don't want it to be dependent on who's in a White House. I want to see the power of God move like never before. This, we are set up for that. As, as Pastor Jamie said, you know, 20 years ago, we were all thinking about 9-11, what's going on. And do you remember what happened? This is 20 years. This is one of the good things that came out of that. Our nation was unified and God was all of a sudden, was, that was in vogue again. Like it was good to talk about God. Everybody was talking. Atheists were talking about God. People were praying. Because when God gets our attention, that ought to be our response. And guys, I'm telling you, we, he should have our attention right now. Look around what's going on in our world. Look at, look, at, look at what's happened in the last year and a half between COVID, what's going on in Afghanistan, what's going on you know, at our borders, what's going on. Again, not, not forget political, forget White House, okay? Just look, just look around. Look around, we still, you know, we're, we're still killing unborn babies in our country. It's normal. We, we, we need to repent. We need to say, God, get a hold of our hearts. We can't just accept it. Look, we are in a situation. Here's what Acts chapter three says. Therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out, that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's where we're at. Do you want it? I mean, do you really want that? I do. I do. So I'm gonna close different today. First, we're gonna kind of do this kind of a normal invitation, but I want you to kind of, Lydia's going to come back out here and do this song, okay? She's going to do this song, and, and then I'm going to take a little break, and then I want to, we're going to do a special prayer, okay? And, um, you know, like I said, this is, I think this is a pivotal point for us as a church, for our nation. So really, really pray that you do business with God. So let's just pray, and then Lydia will get, we'll sing a little bit, and or I think you're just going to do a feature, kind of sing it herself, and and then we'll pray again. Lord God, thank you for each person here. God, I pray that what, regardless of, of how I may have not said what I needed to say, that people heard what you wanted to hear. Lord, you are our answer, period. There is no other hope. There is no plan B. There is nothing else. Jesus and Jesus alone. And we're a nation living in fear, fear and hopelessness. And I think it's time for the church of God to rise up again. But God, I know there are probably some people watching online, people in this room who don't even have a relationship with you right now. And that's where it all begins. That's where their hope is found in Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus and you're ready to ask him and to come into your life and commit your life to him, I just want to lead you in a prayer. If that's how you feel and you're ready to do business with God, just say, Jesus, I give you my life right now. I believe that you went to a cross and you died on that cross and you shed your blood on that cross for me so that I could have forgiveness. And I invite you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, as we, as we reflect during this time of singing and we get ready to pray for our nation, for our leaders, for our church, 
God, may this be your time. In Jesus' name. something special you know that we look in that story we see that every generation seemed to move further away from God and I just want to pray first of all I want to say how thankful I am for a church who believes in you know our younger children our children's ministry our student ministry young adults and I want to say this to those who are in that up coming generation. And they say a generation is between 20 and 30 years. So if you're 30 years and younger, as someone who's from the generation previous, can I just say this? First of all, we are handing you a baton. We're asking you to take the race further than we took it. 
We ask you to forgive us where we have fallen and not been the group ahead of you that should have been leading the way that we need to. That we fell more into the American dream than the Jesus dream. But don't let it die. You're the hope. Can we pray right now for our younger generation, for those who are 30 and younger, and just ask God to give them a passion for him. Oh, Heavenly Father, God, we just pray for that younger generation. We've got people who are that 30 years old, and we've got babies in our nursery, God, and I pray for everyone in between. Lord, they are the upcoming generation. May they never forget the works of God. May they proclaim them loud and clear from the rooftops of who Jesus is and what he's done. God, give them boldness and courage to stand up in the face of their critics who say that God is irrelevant, that God is not important, that the stories in the Bible are fables, God, give them courage to stand up and lead a generation in desperation. God, give them wisdom, the power of the Holy Spirit, a special anointing in their lives, God, that they would proclaim truth and that their generation would hand a baton to the generation behind them. And the stories of your goodness would never stop coming from their lips. God, do something significant in their lives. Father, now I pray for us collectively as a body, many of us much older than that. Maybe we haven't done a great job, but God, today we say we need you. Today, God, we say we will humble ourselves. We will pray, we will seek your face, and we will turn from our wickedness. And we'll turn back to our first love. God, you and you alone are our only hope in this country. Not any politician, not any celebrity, not any athlete. Not any entrepreneur is you and you alone. You're the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You sit on the throne of the universe right now and you call the shots. You don't bow to anyone and you will not be mocked. So, God, may you receive the glory that you and you alone deserve. God, we pray for the prosperity of our nation, of course, but more importantly, we pray that we would go back to the foundation in which this country was laid. One nation under God. That's who we are. That's who we want to be, God. And I pray that the lost and the broken people out there in the world, they're not our enemies, God. We want them to hear the gospel message. We love them. And I pray that you would send them here so that their lives would intersect 
with the only one who can make a difference in their lives for eternity, and that's Jesus. So God, may you be honored. Lydia finished his song, and then we'll dismiss. When it was all simple, and loving was easy, when it was all simple, and trusting was easy, when it was all simple, and loving was easy, when it was all simple. Trusting is easy. coming and and I want you when we go out of here let's make an impact let's do what God requires of us and let's not walk out in hopelessness as we read the headlines as we as we hear the news we, we know that we have a God who is in control God bless our people as they walk out of here with more hope than they walked in God, do what only you can do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have an amazing week. I love you guys. See you next week.